Church, how are we doing this morning? We doing okay? We doing all right? Oh, come on. You glad to be at church this weekend? Come on. Come on. Okay. You're faking it, and that's okay. We'll get there. Hey, my name is Matt. I'm a Greenwood Campus Pastor here. Greenwood Campus Pastor. That's what the words we're supposed to say. I'm excited to have you here this weekend. We're in week three of our series at the movies. Uh, if you missed us the last couple of weeks, you should have caught those podcasts. So they were awesome. Danny brought uh, one of his favorite movies growing up, Rocky, in week one. How many of you guys were here for that? Yeah? It was great. I love how Danny took the opportunity to, to help us understand that when we get knocked down in this world, we actually have a responsibility to figure out how to get back up. And so week one was awesome. Last week, we went epic on you guys. We went epic. And we talked about Braveheart uh, in week two. Uh, we talked about some war and some strife and some freedom from sin. If you were here, that made sense to you. Uh, and I love, I love Danny's energy there. This week, oh man, we, we're not letting you down this week. This week we've got space rangers, we've got cowboys, we have assault and battery, we have car chases. Uh, what else we got? We got rescue missions to beat none other. Uh, if you haven't caught up yet, yes, we're talking about Toy Story this weekend. Uh, and so I'm excited about that today because here's the deal, here's the deal. What I love about Toy Story is it's the perfect picture of friendship. You see, if you're married around here, you might feel like we talk to you a lot when we talk about relationships. Um, if you want to be married someday or you want to be the kind of person that someone wants to marry someday, you might hear us talking to you quite often. But what I love about this week is we're going to unpack the idea of friendship, something that is uh, the same for all of us, that we all have connections to other human beings and how God calls us uh, to be good friends. Uh, but I want to start by sharing with you a funny quote. Uh, as we were digging into this stuff for this week, from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Here's what he says. He says, It's one of the blessings of old friends that you can afford to be stupid with them. Now, I don't know how many old friends you have rolling around in your life. Maybe some of our high school, middle school students, you still got some friends. They're not old yet. But you can probably think about some stupid things you've done with your friends growing up. And I, listen, I'm no different. You see, when I was growing up, I played soccer, and in particular in middle school, I played some recreational soccer one season, and my best friend, Ashton, was right along with me. And we were in the championship game of the season, and it was halftime, and we were up three or four to zero or something like that. And I was so excited. See, it, it had rained at the soccer fields for a couple days before that, and so there was this giant mud puddle in the middle of the field that everybody had been avoiding. So I thought it would be awesome to go rally my teammates, and so at halftime, I went up, and I was like, okay, guys, here's the deal. If we win this game, I'm going to jump right into that mud puddle. Just head first, slide all the way through that mud puddle. Who's with me? And they were like, yay. <laughs> no. So I thought, oh, okay. So, of course, I'd already laid it down, right? So then I got to be that guy. Well, sure enough, we won that game. After the game, come running over to the sidelines. Yeah, guys, woo! Who's with me? Yay, nobody's with me. Until my friend Ashton. You see, my friend Ashton and I played that whole season together and I looked at him and I said, you got to do this with me, man. Like, I can't be on my own on this, right? And he looks at me and he says, let's do it. So we locked arms, ran to the middle of the field, head first, sliding all the way through this huge mud puddle. And I'll show you the picture. This is what we looked like when we got done. <laughs> right here, his mom took a picture of that. And I love that it's memorialized because uh, somehow our faces are clean. Um, but here's the part I didn't tell you. You see, four to five years beforehand, those soccer fields were cow pastures. <laughs> so I didn't smell like mud after that. In fact, I'll never forget my mom making me ride in the back of the station wagon on the way home, sans pants and shirt. 
So it was a transparently skinned uh, little guy in the back in my underwear riding all the way home that day because it stunk so bad. You see, but hey, old friends are the kinds that we can do stupid things with, right? But let me tell you about this friendship. You see, the quality of this friendship with my friend Ashton, and not just with him, but with his family, is what helped lead me to Jesus later on down the road. So I want you to hear me today, though, as we're talking about friendship, that the quality and our actions inside those relationships with our friends have the ability to point people to Jesus and to do things that you can't even comprehend yet. You see, Ashton was that guy that invited me in seventh grade to a New Year's party and then followed up with an invite to a Super Bowl party. And practically speaking, this booty has been in some pew, chair, or recliner, some kind of seat at a church in every weekend since then. Never doubt the power of our friendship. And as we look into the movie of Toy Story, I'm excited to show you a clip, but it's later in the movie. So I got to set it up for you, right? Who's ready to play with some toys? All right. So in this movie, big surprise about some toys, one of which is named Woody, right? This is Cowboy Woody, and Andy is the boy in the movie. This is Andy's favorite toy. If you haven't seen the movie, it's 25 years old. Get yourself together. Come on, go see Toy Story. (laughs) The trick is all these toys come to life when Andy's not around. So there's a birthday party of Andy's, the boy. And all of a sudden, Woody and all the other toys get nervous because a birthday party is an opportunity for another toy to come in and supplant Woody as the favorite toy. And so the whole birthday party is going perfectly fine, no big toys to worry about until the end. And you know what happens. Andy gets a Buzz Lightyear. That's right, he gets one of the coolest toys around, and all of a sudden there's jealousy. I told you that there's a salt and battery in this movie, right? You see, this jealousy leads to uh, Woody kicking Buzz out of the house. Now, once Woody's friends find out, they kick him out of the house. And then the whole rest of the movie is an awesome story about how these two guys, bros, end up becoming friends and trying to get back to Andy's house. So that's where we are. We're about three quarters of the way through the movie. And I want to show you this clip because there's something really important that happens in the context of friendship in this clip. Let's take a look. You know, it's sad for me to see that clip. And one of the things I think about right away is that we parents should go home and tell our kids about Toy Story which is funny, it makes me feel old real quick. But I tell you what, what here's, here's this part about the clip that I love. You see, you have two bros who are in trouble, no way out, no way of escape. And one of them does something extremely important, which is at the core of what makes friendship, friendship. It's in your notes, it's your first fill-in this week. A friend encourages and advises. A friend encourages and advises. You see Woody lifting up Buzz Lightyear in the depths of his, de- his depression from learning that he is a toy and not an actual space ranger. But you see, this idea of encouragement and advice is not foreign to Scripture. In fact, it comes right from there, and it's all over the Bible. But in particular, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, let me show you. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, so encourage each other. And build each other up just as you are doing. You see, the Apostle Paul had heard about this church and some of the things that they had been doing. Sure, he corrects some things that they uh, weren't doing quite right, but he's encouraging them and basically doubling down on what they're already doing, which is encouraging each other and lifting each other up. This is a direct instruction to those of us who call ourselves Christians or believers in Jesus that we should be encouraging each other and building each other up. And also later in uh, Proverbs 15... It gets a little more personal for me. 
Uh, so if you go to Proverbs and you look at what we have here, it's that the plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. This week as I was uh, thinking about this talk and working with the team, this got really personal. You see, the last time I was on this stage, I talked about how I was just celebrating my 10-year anniversary with my wife, and we're excited to be in our 11th year. But you see, that anniversary almost went terribly wrong. I had made these plans that I thought were awesome. Now follow with me. You see, 10 years prior to that, at our wedding, it was great. Outdoor wedding, things were awesome. Our reception, good food, good friends. Except for the first dance. You see, our first dance was something that I'm not super proud of, and I gotta let you in deep in my soul real quick. You see, I'm afraid to dance. I can't do it, I'm terrible at it, I don't wanna do it, especially in front of another human being. And so for our first dance, men, follow with me here, it pretty much worked like a middle school dance. Now, you middle school and high schoolers, we hope this of you, that you leave room for Jesus. But you see, my entire first dance existed in probably a three-foot-by-three-foot three square. One of the best pictures from my wedding is my wife and I, forehead to forehead, both of us are smiling, my cheeks are a little bit red, and you'd think that it was a really sweet moment. Unfortunately, two seconds before that, my wife had looked me square in the eye and said, twirl me or something. <laughs> I froze in that moment. Absolutely froze. And so, 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 for our 10-year anniversary, I thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite some friends and family. So I started sending out text messages. I was going to have them come here on a Friday night to church, uh, not in front of all of you, but just some lots of friends and family. And I was going to surprise my wife by getting her here and recreating our first dance on this stage. Now, many of you in your hearts are going, oh, that's so sweet. And many, many of my friends responded the same way. They said, oh, that's great. Let me check my calendar. Maybe we'll be able to be there. And uh, I got about halfway through the friend and small group invites. When my friends Chris and Ashley, friends of ours for a very long time, I sent the same text to him, hey, what are you available? This is what I want to do. And my friend Chris sends back a response that was very simply, hey, hey, do what you want, buddy. Uh, but I'm not sure that's a great idea. I'm not sure your wife digs the spotlight very much. And then it hit me. This was a terrible idea. This was a miserable and terrible idea. Basically what I had done is I had planned the pure uh, and unsolicited embarrassment of my wife in front of a bunch of people that we knew because she doesn't like the spotlight very much. And so my friends, my real friends, now I will say the friends I had texted before included our campus pastors, Bill and Greg. So um, this is why I wanna show you the next verse because my plans did not end up going wrong for lack of advice, I got some good advice. But here we go, two chapters previous. If we walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of Bill and Greg suffers harm. <laughs> you see, a bunch of friends after that point had been like, oh, that's so sweet. But the ones that really knew us, that were willing to give me the hard advice and the tough conversation I needed to hear was, hey, your wife would really hate that. Don't do that. So for there, I got what I needed. I got encouragement. And advice. And yes, even in a tough conversation, and yes, sometimes we as friends, part of our role as friends is to have tough conversations. We're actually called in Scripture to have those conversations from time to time if we see our friends going down the wrong path. Now, that's a whole other talk for another day. But let me just say that friendship doesn't stop with encouragement and advice. It doesn't stop with our words. We have to show up. You're filling in your notes this week. As a friend shows up. 
Yes, we encourage and provide advice, but we also show up. And you know what? There's an awesome story in the Bible that shows this, this whole picture of what it looks like to show up. And I'm excited to share it with you today. The next verse, if you're following along in your notes, is verse 3 of Mark chapter 2. But I want to set it up a little bit by reading to you verses 1 and 2, and then we'll get into the story. In chapter 2, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, now we follow in here, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Early English translations of this verse actually talk about the man having palsy, or basically insinuating that this man had been unable to walk since birth. And in that time, it would have been totally common uh, for someone unable to walk to have a mat that would have been at some points in public, so that as people walked by during the day, they could give alms or support uh, to those that were unable to work themselves. That was a totally normal part of Jewish life back then. The weird thing here is that we have four guys carrying another guy towards Jesus, literally carrying him on a mat. We're just going to call these guys bros. Is that, is that okay? Because they're pretty much bros. You got four bros carrying a bro on a mat. And I can just imagine them getting around their friend, right? And they're like, all right, here's what we're going to do. Healing on three, guys. Jesus is in town. We know he can do it. We're going to get you there, right? One, two, three, healing. <laughs> and then they stand around and they're like, now what? So they pick him up and they carry him to the house. We already know that the house is full of people. There's no way to get inside the house. So they probably roll up to the front door and they're like, oh, now what? So then they look around and like, well, there's nobody on the roof, I guess. Let's see what they did. Let's see what they did at that moment. What did they choose to do? In verse 4, let me show it to you. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they looked at their friend and said, hey, buddy, maybe next time. Ah, man, there's too many people. Maybe we'll have to check Jesus' tour calendar. I'm not sure if he's going to come back through Capernaum. Maybe there's a double header we can catch. Sorry, bro, not this time. And you know what one of them did. You know what one of them had to do, right? One of them hops onto Bible Twitter. Pretty good bro, 22, hops on Twitter. He says, hey, man, we gave it a good shot. Maybe next time. Hashtag praying for my bro. Hashtag almost made it almost. And some of us, we do this, right? We have that first little hurdle, and when our friend needs something, we're like, Shh, I'm all right. I'm going to start a hashtag. Now, all of a sudden, like, one other person's praying for my bro. Of course, this is not what they did. They didn't stop at that first hurdle. And in fact, the whole reason you came to church today, if you knew you were going to talk about Toy Story, is so that you could fill the next thing in on your notes. What did the friends do? They went to infinity and beyond. That's right. They went to infinity and beyond. You're welcome. They went beyond. And actually, the end of verse 4 gets weird and super fun. Here's what it says. It says, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. So somehow they got their buddy, their bro, up on the roof. And then they said, now what? And they said, well, the only way in is down. So they started to dig a hole in the roof above Jesus' head. Now imagine if we're in the room for a second. We're sitting there, in, or we're probably standing up because it's wall-to-wall people. So we're in the room with Jesus. He's laying down some gold nuggets of wisdom. You know he is. He's teaching like he's always teaching, laying it down. And there's a background conversation going on with some religious leaders in this chapter. I'm not going to talk about that today. Um, but uh, he's just doing his thing. And all of a sudden, we see some dust start falling from the ceiling. 
and there's a little more dust, and we think to ourselves, man, this homeowner's got some work to do. Think about the moment you see daylight. You look up and you see daylight. The rest of verse 4. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Wait, what? So that dust went from a crack in the roof to daylight to, holy cow, they've dug an entire hole the size of a human in the roof of this house. They have jumped up on the roof. They have uh, probably risked personal jail time, if not uh, physical harm. Maybe they were all super brute bros. I don't know. And they lowered this man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And I want you to think about for the sec- just, just a second. Think about the moment that the man being lowered on a mat, that his eyes meet the eyes of the Savior. Where this man who's been stricken with palsy his entire life meets the eyes of the person that can heal him. And in this moment, as awesome as it is, Jesus goes and just, done, just does it backwards. Mark chapter five, or verse five, sorry. Say this with me. Seeing their faith. One more time. Seeing their faith. It's one of the rare times in Scripture where actually we see that Jesus is moved. Not by the faith of one, but by the faith of five. You could just imagine the bro's heads poking through the hole in the ceiling, right? Once the guy's down there. Seeing that moved Jesus. He says to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now, if I'm a bro on the roof looking through the hole, my first instinct is probably, what? Boo! Boo! We can't heal him! That's not what we came for! Now, of course, we don't have it recorded in Scripture that they booed the Savior of the universe, but but what we have here is, is that Jesus is meeting a spiritual need. All of us, and everybody that we, have in, that we come in contact with has a spiritual need and yet maybe still a physical need. So Jesus meets that need first. He forgives this man of his sins. And then later on in verse 10 and 11 is where the story ends. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. A man who probably had never walked in his life or well at that point literally stood up, picked up his mat, and walked out of the house. Can you imagine the bro hugs that were happening after that? Can you imagine the awkward handshakes slash fist pumps that were, yeah! Uh, I'm the awkward guy, so if you ever come up to me and want to fist pump high five, Danny does this all the time. I'm the awkward guy who I never know what to do, so I always go fist pump, then he high fives, and it's awkward. Maybe that was what's going on here, too. What's awesome is, is that these guys were encouraging. We obviously know there was some kind of relationship that was solid and positive before Jesus even showed up in town. And then once Jesus was there, they showed up. They showed up and they didn't just see the first hurdle and say, ah, well, maybe next time. Yes, they went beyond what their friend was expecting. And we see a story in scripture that is awesome and powerful that they got success for their buddy. They got healing for their buddy. And you know, you know, that kind of friendship, that kind of story is not exclusive to Scripture. In fact, stories like that happen all the time, and in particular, here at Emmanuel. And I want to share with you a story that we received back this week. You see, we were working on some ideas with the team, 
And uh, campus pastor down at Franklin, uh, Greg said, hey, 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 that, that's so much what Jeff and Lauren went through. And I thought, you're right, that's exactly what they went through. So I want to share with you a story from Jeff and Lauren Calvert. And I want to show you a picture of their family. Here's their beautiful family. And yes, if you can count, one, two, three, four, five. So if you weren't praying for them, yes, that's five boys. So you can begin praying for them right now. But we asked Jeff to send us just a little bit of detail about the story that they went through, and I want to share it with you. You see, when the story begins, there are only two extra Calverts instead of five. And here's what he says. He says, in May of 2014, I received a call from DCS asking if we were able to take emergency placement of one of my relative's children, a premature newborn and an almost six-year-old. We weren't foster parents. We had no plans of adopting not to mention we had two kids of our own, a three-year-old and a six-month-old. This wasn't some kind of conversation where I could just sit back and think about it for a while. So in that moment, I said, yes, what do I need to do? We had just moved. We were remodeling our home. We were still trying to get adjusted to having two kids of our own. We were leading a small group, working full-time. Look, the list could go on. We picked up the six-year-old that night, and we were thrust into the world of having a school-aged child. Then we had NICU visits, court dates, and DCS home visits. At the time, we were just trying to grind it out. But non-essential things like our remodeling projects were completely halted. You see, we had it under control. We didn't need any charity. We weren't weak. We could handle it. You know that whole God never gives you more than you can handle bit? But inside the confines of our home, we didn't have it under control. We were a hot mess. So one particular couple one night, they stopped by and brought us dinner, and the husband and I began a conversation. And we were talking a little bit about the unfinished remodeling projects, and as they left, he said, hey man, let us know what we can do. And, and Lauren and I said, you know what, we're good. I think we, we've got what we need for now, but uh, we'll let you know if we think of us. Uh, we, we'll let you know if we think of something. Later on, that guy texted me. And he simply said, make a list of your projects. I've already talked to some of my friends. We're going to pick a date and we're going to knock out as much of those projects as we can get done. He then followed up with a date. That Saturday came and there's small groups, some of which I barely even knew, along with some of my family knocked out a huge list of the unfinished projects in our home to put our house back into order and relieve a huge burden on my shoulders. That guy never did have to follow up. His first offer for help, it was sincere. And then he says this, he says, simply asking what can we do or telling someone, hey, we'll be praying for you and then moving on about our lives and forgetting to follow up or even pray about it for that matter is not what God calls us to do. We know that many, if not all of the people that asked us if they could do something for us would have done something if we asked. The bottom line is, is that most people aren't going to ask. We have to be intentional. We have to look deeper than the surface to see what someone truly needs. My wife and I, now we try to refrain. We refrain from asking or saying the routine, yeah, what can we do? Or, hey, I'll be praying for you when someone's going through a struggle. Instead, we try to find the practical need and we meet it. In the past three years, we've had a number of people just show up at our house with meals, clothes, boy stuff, being willing to meet us up for coffee in a venting session. Even some people just came over to rock and feed babies. Those are the things that stand out. Those are the people who were the hands and feet of Jesus when we needed him the most. 
Can we celebrate that those kinds of stories happen in the body here at Emmanuel? This expectation, this, this idea of what we're called to be as friends, it's all over Scripture. There are a hundred different stories we could, have, we could have dove into today. And all of them would lead us to the same question. And it's the question that's in your notes to challenge us this week. And that's simply, what kind of friend are you? What kind of friend are you? Are you the kind that uh, says, oh, I'll be praying for you, or hashtag praying for my bro? And then, if we're honest, many of us probably forget to even pray at a time during the day when our friend needs it most. Or are we the kind of friend that gives the encouragement when the encouragement's needed, has the hard conversation and gives advice when advice is needed, keeps your friend from wandering down that wrong path too far? Is it, is it that in those moments we show up, we actually go to find the practical need and try to meet it. And then when we have some kind of hiccup or hurdle along the way, do we stop? Or do we go beyond what is expected of us? You see, that's the kind of expectation that we find from God for us. And you know, this idea of friendship, it's not exclusive of just us and the people that we call our friends. In fact, the idea and the relationship that's called friendship is used in Scripture to describe us and God, and in particular, the purpose of our Savior. And I want to show it to you in Romans chapter 5. It says, since we were restored to friendship with God by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, last week Danny talked about the idea that we are all sinners. In some translations of the Bible, it says, sinners here. In those darkest moments, we're here. In our darkest moments of thought and in action, even those things that we refuse to deal with in our lives that know that when we know that we miss the mark for God. In those moments, this is true. As it is in every other moment of our lives. You see, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus was to restore our friendship with him. And it's also about something that's just as important. And the last half of this verse, it says, we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by his life. You see, Jesus' purpose to come was, was to fulfill what, everything that he had been said about him prior to then. And what all that meant was that there would be an opportunity for him to choose while he was on this earth to die for us. And in that moment that he makes that choice to willingly die for you and for me and to take away the burden of our sins that we carry on our backs every day. When he did that, he, yes, provided an opportunity to relieve us from the punishment that comes when, when we miss the mark. But he restores a friendship. Jesus would go on to call his disciples his friends and then say that there is no greater love than to die for one's friends. So today, if, if you're here, maybe you've been invited for the first time or maybe it's your second time, maybe you've been, you've been around a while and you felt God kind of pushing in on you a little bit, 
That pressure is him with a hand open as a friend. And so today, if if you're in that spot in which you'd like to restore your friendship, to accept the sacrifice of Jesus, to restore your friendship with God, we just want to provide you an opportunity to do that. We do that through prayer because it's the easiest way in which we can connect our hearts to God. We can speak to him directly. And so in this opportunity, if the words that I can say can be helpful to you, sure, use them as your own. But if you need to have a conversation between you and God now, accepting Jesus as your savior, I just ask that you join me in prayer. Jesus, we come to you today grateful. Grateful that we can have your example of what the most extreme kind of friendship can look like. Jesus, I come to you in this spot right now having full knowledge of the the depths of my sin and the, the wrong that I've committed in this world. But I just bring that to you because I know and I believe and I trust in your promise to forgive me for those sins. So I ask you to do that today. And Jesus, I know that you also promised to walk with me from every step here on. So Jesus, help shape this friendship. Accept me as your friend so that I can become someone that walks with you a little bit tighter every day. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. If today you took an opportunity to step into the friendship with Jesus, maybe that you hadn't before, I just want to kick that off by celebrating with you and welcoming you to this crazy thing that we call the family of God, because there's literally a party going on in heaven right now. That's one of the promises that we have. So can we celebrate for those of our friends that have made those decisions today? If you're new to this family, you'll learn that all of us are messed up in just the right way. And we welcome you into that. But if it's your first few steps in your relationship with Jesus, we want to make sure that you know something very, very important. And that is that we cannot leave you in that spot. And so we want to encourage you to go see our friends at the starting point tables that are in the back corner of our auditorium. Auditorium. Uh, They would love to start out on that journey with you by answering some simple questions if you have them. They're also going to put, they're also going to put a one year New Testament in your hand because we believe that four or five minutes a day at a minimum, plugging into what Jesus says about you, how he feels about you and the way to live this life is one of the most important things that you can do to get started on your journey with with Jesus. Uh, He loves us. He is our friend. That might feel weird to you right now, but I promise it'll make sense a little more each day as you begin to walk with him. So take a bold step today and go back and see our folks at the starting point tables. They're also going to tell you about our four-week short-term environment called Starting Point. And it's a place that we just offer uh, that you can ask tough questions if you've had them about Jesus, about God, about the Bible, about this, this faith thing. It's a great place for you. We're starting a new group soon, so I hope that you'll take an opportunity and jump in. And you'll jump in with people that are in your same spot, and maybe they've been believers for a while and still have tough questions. There'll be some folks like that in the room too. Because we want want you to have a solid journey. We want to connect with you on your journey with Jesus. The last thing that I want to leave you with today is something that I didn't expect would ever be fruitful for this stage up here. But it's what I do with my four-year-old every single day that I drop him off at preschool. 
See, we go in the door, we close the door, I take his cute little Lightning McQueen backpack and I hang it up on the hook. And then I go right to him. I get down on his level and I look him square in the face. And I say, Graham, what are we going to do today? And he says, I'm going to listen to my teachers and I'm going to be a good friend. I said, that's right. Every day I say the same thing back to him. Listen to your teachers and be a good friend. And I can tell you right now that if we took that challenge home with us, man, our lives would be different, wouldn't it? So I challenge you today, listen to our teacher and be a good friend. And you'll start to see lives of the people around you change because of it. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today grateful that we can come to a place in which we can dig in to the amazing word that you left with us. Lord, I'm grateful. I'm grateful we get to see a picture of four bros and another bro on a mat in which we can see what friendship really looks like and what you value and what moves your heart to action. So Lord, I ask this week, put our friends in front of us, place them before us, and make those opportunities that we can encourage and lift them up. But also in those situations where it calls us to just plain show up that we do that. That we find an area in our friend's life that we can speak to practically, that we can meet a practical need where there is one. And Lord, give us the courage and the strength to not stumble, but to go to infinity and beyond. We love you, Jesus. We ask that you provide safe travel for all of our families as we head home. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Have a great week and bring those friends next week. Mm-hmm.